Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Dr. Joanna Silver. Joanna is the lead psychology therapist at ORI, a specialist eating disorder treatment service in London. Joanna joins us today to discuss Christmas preparation whilst navigating an eating disorder, sharing concerns she has witnessed and how she supports clients in managing these challenges. Hello, Joanna. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Um, I'm excited to record this podcast pre-December because I don't yet feel super Christmassy, um, but I feel like it's coming. Um, So I guess the very important question is, is your tree up or not yet? Um, Well, I don't actually have a tree, I must be honest. Ah. Um, Yes, because I'm Jewish, so I don't have a tree. Okay. But... I do get into the Christmas spirits in many other yeah. ways. Um, so I'm definitely, you know, walking down the streets, enjoying the Christmas lights and all sorts. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, probably should have checked that before I just like assumed that that you would have a tree. Um, so I apologise for making that assumption. Um, no. I actually put mine up yesterday um, because I'm not going to be in, well, like in my house that I live for Christmas so I was like I need to get the most out of it um so I was dancing around the living room to Christmas songs which was very nice I love looking at trees and I'm excited that we're getting a mm-hmm. tree up soon at Ori so absolutely no need very to nice. apologize yeah well yeah you guys love to decorate for I think any excuse there is for some decorations to come out doesn't matter what the event is absolutely okay so um I'm very excited to speak to you about Christmas preparation I can imagine it is something that you're really working on at Ori um so I guess just to start with because we have done podcasts with people from Ori before um but just in case people haven't listened to those episodes can you just kind of let us know what Ori is and what you do at Ori So Ori is a daycare centre for people with eating disorders. Um, We have people with all different kinds of eating disorders, including anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder, and lots of diagnoses um, or disordered eating as well. And it's it's an alternative to inpatient treatment. So within um, it's as I said, it's a day it's a day unit, and we really really encourage people to work on their eating disorders alongside their lives. Um, and we provide clients with food and meals and support during that time, as well as group therapy. Um, and we have an in person treatment, so that's when people come to London and are face-to-face and we also have a really really good online program where people can join the groups online and have um, meals over zoom as well so i'm the lead psychological therapist (laughs) so i oversee the therapy program Um, i also run some groups myself so some of my groups might include body image which is really important in eating disorders relationships I also see all our clients have a one-to-one therapist. So I see some clients for one-to-one therapy through their journey. And a really important part of my job is I run a group for family and friends because it can be really difficult for family and friends. Um, and I you know, help them. I give them a space where they can talk about what they're struggling with, actually share what's going well. And also I can support them in any way that I can. Amazing. Well, it sounds like you're very busy, um, yes. but it sounds like you're doing great work um, and particularly, you know, the family and friends aspect. I think that would be really good to touch on later as well around Christmas um, kind of you know, advice for people. Um, but we'll we'll come back to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
obviously, you know, you mentioned the groups and stuff, so I can imagine that you've maybe had conversations surrounding the festive period. What would you say are some of the main sort of concerns that people have around the festive period? So I think it can be a lot about Christmas is about food. So I think that that can be really difficult for clients who struggle with food. And there can be sometimes be an expectation to really, really eat a lot on Christmas Day. And that can fill clients with a real sense of panic. Um, for our clients who suffer with binge eating, that can be really difficult because suddenly there's loads of food around. And how do they manage that? There can also be a lot of pressure to be festive and to be happy and to be jolly. And it can be really hard if you're not feeling festive or jolly. Um, or, or like socialising. And also, you know, traditionally, you know, lots of people will see lots of family um, during Christmas time who you may not see the rest of the year. And that, again, can be very, very challenging for people. Um, sometimes people with eating disorders prefer to eat alone or with people who they're close to. And it can be very, very anxiety provoking to be sat next to, you know, an aunt who they haven't seen for ages and feel like I'm being, you know, I've got this meal here and I'm being watched, and how do I navigate this? Um, yeah. So it can be, and also, you know, often during the festive time, you know, treatment, often, you know, therapists will be on holiday or treatment um, centres can close. So that can be very difficult and a real disruption to the everyday routine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've highlighted some like really important points there. So I think it would be really nice if we could maybe go through a few of them of like yeah. you know, how, how you would advise somebody if that's kind of what they're struggling with. Um, and I think for for me personally, the one that sort of um, stuck out the most was the kind of social aspect. I know for me personally, I've got I've been invited to so many things running up mm -hmm. to Christmas. And like you said, they're all either focused on food or on drink. Um, so how do you you know, encourage people to to navigate those situations? Because I think it can be a very easy thing to be like, I'm just going to kind of retract myself and not do any of it. But then you mm -hmm. miss out on things. Yeah, so I would really encourage people to pause when they get an invitation, you know, to not reply immediately. And to ask yourself, is this something that I want to do? You know, not necessarily something that mm -hmm. I need to do. So I think, yeah, I think you can, you know, and I think it's really important. Often people with eating disorders tend to be very black and white. I do everything or I do nothing. And I would really encourage mm. people to not have such a binary view. You know, one can attend some events and not all events. So to really, really pace mm. yourself and to just pause and think, is this something that I want to do? And if the answer is, actually, no, you know, I don't want to see these people or I'm not ready for this challenge yet, that, that that's okay, you know, to not be hard on yourself and to, you know, to, to realise that actually this is something that you don't want to do. Um, and I think if it is something that you do want to do, to really, really plan it. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll probably say a lot is to plan and plan and plan. To think about, you know, where you're going, you know, what you're comfortable doing. If you're meeting with someone who is a friend, you know, you might want to tell them that actually this is something that you're struggling with. And, you know, could we meet, you know, at, a, you know, a particular place or sort of really, really be open about what is manageable and what is not manageable. And, you know, everyone with eating disorders or disordered eating will be very different and in different stages. And for some people, it could be a really, really good opportunity to challenge yourself. And that could be great. Mm -hmm. But if you're not ready for that, you know, you may want to meet someone, you know, not around food time. You might want to meet someone and go to the cinema. So I think it's about really, really planning and really, really pausing and not putting too much pressure on yourself to do absolutely everything. Yeah, I really like that because I think there's, there's so many, there's so much going on at Christmas that it can be very overwhelming to have to mm -hmm. kind of go to everything and to do everything. But actually, you know, if you, like you say, plan and think about what am I going to be able to do and, and what feels possible. Um, and if there could be an element of challenge in there, then brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, I got invited to a Christmas dinner 
two Christmas dinners this week. Um, and, you know, in my mind, I was like, wow, that feels quite overwhelming. Um, and I didn't want the focus of the social situation to be the Christmas dinner. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm more than happy to do that. Could we do it at my house um, mm -hmm. so that, like, I feel comfortable in my own home? And could we have a games night? and then have food as well so that mm -hmm. the focus was playing games as opposed to going out for a meal and that being the only thing that we do and i think that feels really important it feels like you thought about what you needed and it sounds like actually connecting with mm -hmm. people is really nice um and i think it's about recognizing yeah. and, and you know it can take time you know not everyone will know what they need but just thinking about you know what is it if and if it's connecting with people you know, how can I do that? And I think, you know, I'm, I think mm -hmm. challenge is really, really good. But I think you don't want to what we call flood yourself. Because if the challenge is yes. too much for you, then that can have the adverse effect. So it's about kind of challenging yourself, but to a limit that feels manageable. And, you know, I think that if you, um, you know, you can you can discuss it if you've got someone who you can talk to, you know, discuss actually, you know, how, how can I navigate this situation? And if, you know, you're at the stage that actually going to a party feels totally overwhelming, you know, perhaps say to, you know, someone, could we meet on a one to one instead? Um, you know, so I think it's yeah. about really, really not being all or nothing and just taking that time to pause and think what you need and what you want. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the most important thing really, isn't it? Is, is doing, you know, what's going to be comfortable for you and what you're going to enjoy the most. Because at the end of the day, you want to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and, and you know, Christmas is not the only opportunity for socialising. I think sometimes there can be so much yeah. kind of emphasis on, as we said, right, I've got to be really, really social and I've got to, you know, eat everything and I think you know sometimes think actually you know I don't need to do everything in that week and actually if it's socializing is important I can pace myself throughout so I think to really mm -hmm. really approach it with self-compassion you know this is where I'm at and this is what I want to do and this is what feels manageable and to really really plan and think about yeah yeah absolutely I think that's brilliant advice um I guess on the same kind of idea of socializing is spend you know you you mentioned at the start you know people tend to spend more time with family and for some people that can be lovely but it's still overwhelming because there might be you know if you live in let's say a family of four and, and now there's 12 of you or something you know pe seeing people that you've not seen for a while and for others it can be that you know spending time with family is just not a pleasurable time so how how do you advise people to navigate that if they're kind of worried about spending more time with their family I think again you know to pace yourself so I think if you've got an afternoon and you're spending time with family to perhaps think actually can I break it up a little bit you know, do I need to be sat with them the whole time? You know, perhaps it might be appropriate and an okay to take a bit of a break and go for a walk. Um, I think in terms of the family, to think about, you know, to think about who who you do want to spend time with and perhaps who you don't. And even, you know, if you are meeting, say, for a meal, if possible, and I realise this won't be possible for everyone, to think about the seating carefully. You know, if there's a particular member of the family who is difficult or perhaps comments on things such as food, which can be quite unhelpful, perhaps to try and, you know, if there is a seating plan, to be far away from them and to think about, you know, who within the family is supportive um, and to perhaps, you know, position yourself so you spend most of the time with them. So, again, I think it's about really, really planning if and not having to say yes to everything. Um, and if you're in a position that, you know, you have to see a lot of family to perhaps make sure that you kind of puncture it with things that you want to be doing. So to really think about, OK, this, you know, anticipate this might be a stressful event. What can I do straight afterwards? You know, what might some of my tools be to manage my anxiety? Um, and, you know, whether it's that, OK, I'm going to phone a friend at that point or, you know, afterwards, I'm going to make sure that I do some breathing exercise. And I think whatever it is, is going to be different for each person. But to really kind of anticipate what could the challenges be and how can I manage it? 
And I think if, you know, if they're particular family members who are likely to, you know, comment on weight or shape, um, especially if you've gone through treatment and your weight and shape has changed, it can sometimes be helpful, you know, via someone else, possibly, to kind of give them the heads up in advance and say, look, actually, could we not have any of these conversations because they're really difficult? Yeah. I think that's a that's a really good idea. When when you were talking, then I was actually going through my mind of all the family that I've kind of had to see recently for for Christmas because for one reason or another we've had to do it quite early, um, mm-hmm. and how I've navigated that. And I think the um, the one thing that I found really and I very much appreciate I'm in a very lucky position in that my I'm really close to my mum, but um, mm-hmm. we kind of planned beforehand. Um, you know, the potential, we had a chat about the potential things I was worried about and how we could navigate those in the situation. And that actually really helped because I think a lot of the time, and I, I think this is kind of the the whole thing with Christmas that I found in like Christmas past as well, is the lead up to Christmas is the anxiety in the lead up and to all the events and stuff is so much worse than the actual mm-hmm. event. Um, and I think that, really helped me for me to be able to sit down with my mum and be like this is what I'm concerned is going to happen or what my anxieties are um and she also sat next to me at the meal which mm-hmm. was really nice um and then kind of if if something did start to come up in conversation that I had mentioned I was a bit worried that was going to come up she very discreetly sort of moved the conversation on and it meant that I didn't need to get involved but mm-hmm. also I could like trust that the conversation was going to be um which I obviously isn't always possible but basically I think what I'm trying to say is that if it's possible to have somebody to communicate that with beforehand um or even if you if you don't have that to maybe write down or journal what your concerns are um and whenever those conversations started I just um did some box breathing like really discreetly mm-hmm. which I found a really helpful tool to have because I didn't need to like do anything obvious I could just breathe to myself and it kind of distracted me whilst the conversation was moving on yeah I mean that sounds really helpful and I think it's about you know anticipating the challenges and if this happens how can I manage it and actually you know it sounds Mm. great that your mum was on it and discreetly moved the conversation on (laughs) and sometimes what can be really helpful is if you've got that person beforehand to perhaps have a little code that if you're struggling with something you know whether it's you put your Mm. phone on the table or something so that you know people know when you're struggling and I think Mm -hmm. you know even if you know not everyone has that person but actually you know Feet, which is the eating disorder charity, has some really, really good message boards and support that, you know, you could ring up in advance and say, this is what I'm worried about. And just talking it through with someone can be really helpful. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's great support to have um, to be able to talk that through with somebody. So thank you for kind of recognising that. Um, I suppose another thing that's just come to my mind in terms of kind of social occasions and and meals and stuff like that is um, I think often people can, I think this is a normalised thing in society. I don't think it's just an eating sort of thing, but maybe restrict before they go out for a meal or before they go to an event um which I think you know can feel like it might make things better but actually makes the situation so much worse because by the time you turn up you're so hungry and kind of don't want to be there anyway um and also you know if you have if you're in recovery and you're following a meal plan or whatever your situation is um just restricting before a social occasion in general is not it's not gonna it's not gonna be useful um so how would you advise someone to navigate that because I think going out for a meal or a social occasion there can be a lot of concerns about what the food's going to be but you know restricting is never the answer yeah I would really echo that um you know restricting is likely to bring on binging you know restricting and binging are very much two sides of the same coin Um, So I think it can, as you said, sometimes at that moment, it can feel like a good idea, but it is just likely to, as I said, it could either lead to binging or to increase preoccupation with food and shape um, and all of those thoughts. So I think it's really important to carry on as usual. 
you know there is no need to restrict you know and to eat you know to follow your meal plan as much as possible it will it, a meal is a meal and I think sometimes you know it can feel you know really 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 scary and I think that there can also be a lot of expectations of overeating as well over Christmas and I think again you know depending on where you're at that that doesn't need to be the case you know a Christmas meal can very very much follow a meal plan and follow a normal meal so I think it's about reminding yourself that as humans we don't need to compensate to eat regularly because that is eating regularly is just so important with all eating disorders whether they're restricting um whether people have problems with restricting, with binge eating, with purging, the best thing to do is to eat regularly. So I think it's, again, you know, reminding yourself of that. And I think, you know, going back to our previous conversation about the social events, you know, everyone is at a different stage. And I think, you know, to when you're kind of asking yourself, where am I at? What do I want to do? What can I manage? To really think about that, because I think if, you know, someone thinks actually I'm going to go to, you know, all the events and the way that I'm going to manage it is by restricting, that is not going to have, um, you know, that's not going to have good effects. It's much better actually to think, you know, something this particular year, I can manage however many and eat normally. And maybe next year I'll be able to manage a few more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's again, it's about that adjustment just so that you enjoy yourself um, mm-hmm. and I think you're so totally right in that you know whatever eating disorder you're struggling with the regular eating is so important and I I think actually you know the regular eating is a way to soothe the anxiety because you've not got then that intense hunger that naturally makes you more anxious anyway um, and then you've not got the oh god when am I going to eat because I've got an on all that anxiety if you've got that plan and you know what's happening you can then hopefully be a bit more involved and enjoy your day rather than it just being like when am I next eating what am I going to eat this is terrifying exactly and the more starving you are the more you think about food um so I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's exactly you know eating regularly keeps things very very balanced um and is again less likely to make you binge so I think, again, in that moment, it can feel very tempting to, oh, you know, let's restrict and then I can enjoy myself. But that in itself, you know, is kind of it, it doesn't lead to good things. And I think it's about also kind of thinking about the short term and the long term. You know, you may feel actually I'll have a really good evening, but then think, how will I feel the next day? And then also with eating disorders, if someone gets into that habit of restricting it can very, very easily take hold again. Um, And that mindset can quickly creep in. Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, if we move on to kind of another concern that people might have, we've just spoken a bit about binging there. And I can imagine that um, the thought of having, I think most people would have more groceries in the house because of Christmas coming around the corner um and it tends to be you know foods that typically people might find triggering and want to binge on um Mm -hmm. so whether that would be in binge eating disorder or with with bulimia how do you work with clients to navigate those sorts of situations so again if people live with other people who are supportive I would really recommend having a conversation with them you know how where the food is stored how they can manage it what support that they might need um and i would recommend again you know to thinking about to to include those foods as part of your diet because often you know we binge on foods that are forbidden so i think it's about you know including Mm. them you know in your eating pattern anyway so that they're not these forbidden things Um, And I think, again, to be really, really kind to yourself, to plan what might the challenges be, Um, to think about, you know, how if if kind of having them in the room is really, really difficult. You know, how can I distract myself? You know, what techniques might I do? Um, You know, sometimes people can find it quite helpful if there's a lot of food around, for example, after a meal to go up and brush your teeth. You know, for some people that can be really helpful not for everyone 
Um, for a lot of people, you know, the, the hour or so after eating can be a time that you that people are likely to binge. Again, other people may have different other times. But think about when it when are your most risky times and what can you put in place then? Um, so, again, it's that planning, you know, talking if you're able to, sharing your fears with other people if they're supporting and having strategies in place. Um, and I think, you know, with all of this, it, it's important to if if you do find yourself binging to, you know, to not beat yourself up for it, that, you know, to think about, OK, you know, I wonder what happened, you know, to be really, really curious. Mm. And, you know, what can I do differently next time and how can I get back on track? That is the most important thing to, you know, to to learn from it, to get back on track and not to beat yourself up. Yeah, I think that level of compassion, um, I think, you know, runs kind of throughout any eating disorder, whatever behaviour you use. Um, if it does happen, mm -hmm. you know, it, that's OK. And to mm -hmm. have that compassion for yourself. But like you said, to think about what can I do differently next time to mean that I don't do it again um mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's all a learning curve isn't it and you know there are going to be slip-ups and christmas is a challenging time mm -hmm. but if you can have that compassion for yourself and not think oh my god i've ruined christmas well there's no point in trying now yeah then that would that will probably be more beneficial to your recovery overall yeah definitely and i think it's although it can be you know really really hard after binging to then have the next meal as normal it's absolutely vital because otherwise, like we were saying before, you know, the starvation can kick in and there goes the cycle again. So I think it's about, you know, that real, real compassion and getting back on track and learning from it. Yeah, definitely. Something that's just popped into my head as well um, that I wanted to ask you was, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier in that at Christmas, it's almost expected that we overeat. Um how would you advise people to navigate those sorts of conversations? Because I think it's very normalized that people say, oh, I binge at Christmas or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which I imagine can be a really distressing thing to hear when you're actually struggling with binge eating disorder mm -hmm. um, and people are sort of using that term flippantly. Um, so what would your kind of advice be for those sorts of conversations? So I think that it's about you know, thinking about what are the conversations that I find difficult um, and how do I want to manage it and to actually practice beforehand, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, to perhaps do a role play with someone, you know, some people might, again, depending on who says it, want to challenge them and that can be good. Um, other people might just want to lead that conversation. And again, that can be mm -hmm. okay as well. Other people might want to change the topic. Um, so I think it's about actually practicing before, you know, what could what topics could be difficult and, you know, perhaps going through each of the strategies in your mind and thinking about, you know, what am I most comfortable doing? Um, so I think that that can be helpful. Sometimes I say to clients, you know, in the same way that if you think about our emails, we've got a junk, you know, a junk box with the emails, a junk mail, actually thinking that, you know, these we can't control everything. You know, that is the reality of it. People mm -hmm. will say things, but actually I can put that in the junk mail and not engage in it. So, again, with everything, some people find it helpful. Some people don't find it helpful. But actually thinking to myself, look, I can hear this. But I'm not going to engage with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so nice that you've just said that, because I often forget what has been said in other podcasts. Um, and when you said junk mail, then it made me think of, I think when your episode's released, it'll be like 90, 95, 96 or something. Um, wow. And I just had a memory from, like, I think it was like my fourth episode with my friend Katie. And she painted this like beautiful visualization of her whenever she had like a really intense eating sort of thoughts she saw it as like um letters coming through the letterbox mm -hmm. and she would just very determinedly sit in the corner with her sandwich and just carry on eating despite all these letters coming in and i when um she described to me i just imagined like harry potter the, mm. like the letters flying in and like being super super overwhelming um 
and that's but that's such a for me that's such a nice visualization there of like when the eating disorder thoughts or like comments that are flying around feel too much like just sit in the corner in your little happy place and you do you and just mm-hmm. ignore all that junk mail that's coming in exactly yep and and actually you know you don't need you know you may not need to leave the room some people may and that's fine but mm-hmm. you can actually not engage with it, hear it, but say, you know, not engage. And, you know, all of this takes practice. Um, so, again, you know, some people won't find this useful and that's OK or won't be. Able, you know, it may be something that you have to work on. Um, but these are just, mm. you know, these are just some ideas. I think another thing is that if you find, you know, certain phrases or thoughts useful, um, you know, sometimes you could be at that moment and it all goes out to actually write them down as flashcards. Um, so, you know, mm. it, and I think, you know, you can have them in literally in your back pocket. Um, you know, whatever it is that you find motivating or if other people have said things to you that are motivating, write it down. Because then when you're feeling, you know, not just with the comments, but when you're feeling anxious or when you kind of lose sight of that, to literally whip it out. Brilliant idea. I um have actually started doing that myself mm-hmm. so um i had a like a check-in today with my eating disorder team and the nurse said it was something along the lines of a thought is just a thought a voice is just a voice but the action that you choose has consequence for your future mm-hmm. um because for me lately it's been all about like the tiny little changes like you know putting a little bit more milk on my cereal or Mm -hmm. like a little bit more butter on my toast or whatever um and in the moment they feel like nothing but actually in the bigger picture it's so much and that's now on my fridge so that every time Mm -hmm. I go into the kitchen I see it so hopefully it can help but I think it's great to just have those little reminders to yourself and you know maybe another thing is if you don't necessarily want to have like a a physical paper thing maybe you could save some quotes on your phone that you can just scroll through um if you're feeling a little bit anxious and then it could literally just look look like you're replying to a text rather than like you know getting something physical out which you might not be able to do in the situation you're in yeah or or have you know have a variety of different modes um you know Mm. whether it's something on your phone and something written down also audio stuff can be really good you know leaving yourself Mm. a voice note or if there's someone who you know you respect and you feel inspired by you know asking them to leave a message um so I think all of these things can really help you in the moment you know make as you said make moves that are consistent with your goals yeah definitely yeah um so i wanted to come on to kind of family and friend support um and i want to look at this from two angles because i want to look at it in terms of as a family member or as a friend how can you support somebody with an eating disorder but i also want to look at it from the perspective of somebody that is a family member or a friend and they're thinking oh you know as much as I, I don't want this to sound awful, but I know this is what my mum's thought has always been in that mm-hmm. the the worry of I love Hannah so much, but she, like with the eating disorder, that it can make situations really difficult to navigate, and I don't want it to ruin Christmas, um, which may sound blunt, but mm-hmm. like I think sometimes it can take over and and stuff like that. So let's go for the perspective first of how you advise or like what tips you might give somebody if they're supporting somebody with an eating disorder this Christmas? Mm -hmm. So I think my first thing would be to talk to them. You know, I think sometimes it's easy Mm -hmm. to make assumptions about what's helpful for them or what's not helpful or where they're at or where they can manage. So I would be really, really collaborative. You know, what actually you think might be an issue for them really might not be and vice versa. So I think, to, you know, again, if you're able to have that relationship and that conversation to acknowledge that Christmas may be a hard time for them again, you know, not, we won't assume that it is. But just, you know, what what do you you know, how can I help you? What might your challenges be? So I think to be really, really upfront and to be really collaborative is important. Um, and I think to to really listen to the person, you know, I think the worst thing is to right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to ring, you know, grandma and grandpa and tell them not to do this because the person might not want that. So I think to make mm-hmm. sure that they feel included, to make sure that they feel listened to and part of the plan. 
can be really help um mm-hmm. can be really really helpful um i think you yeah. know as i said before in terms of you know practical things if you're hosting christmas to think about the table plan with the person if that could be helpful um and i think to really you know remember as always that whilst eating disorders look like they're about food they're a way of managing feelings um so thinking about really being there for them with the feelings that might come up whether it's regarding christmas or anything else um so it may be again but working with that person you know would it be helpful to have some regular check-ins or actually they might not want that you know they might prefer to just know that you're there if you want to talk to them about x y and z so i think it's to be to, to assess where they're at um you know where they're at what their challenges are and what help they want from you and i think the most important thing is to not have assumptions and to go in and really really listen yeah yeah i think the key thing that i've picked up from what you've just said is communication mm-hmm. um i think it can be easy like you say to assume that you know what you think is best is going to be best mm-hmm. um but also i think from my personal experience um of of christmas is not having that communication of because it's meant to be such a jolly festive time and everyone's happy and you know everybody's singing um <laughs> you don't as the person with the eating disorder you don't want to ruin that so you kind of try and suppress everything because you're like no this is meant to be a really nice time and i don't want to bring it down but then by suppressing whatever's going on you then also like shut down a little bit yourself um mm-hmm. whereas you know if you can outwardly say uh, like I have this really really distinct memory of being in Tesco's one Christmas and my mum saying go and choose the pudding and in the whole time that she did the Christmas shop I was stood trying to decide on a pudding Mm. and this was very much in the early days of when I was ill but um she got really mad at me because I'd been stood there for so long she was like just choose a pudding like it doesn't matter that much Mm -hmm. but to me it was such an overwhelming decision that there was no way that I could make that on my own um and so it it led to an argument whereas now now that we've kind of been able to have conversations about that and stuff I think we would approach it differently and you know she would say would you like to choose the pudding and then if Mm -hmm. I say yes then maybe I could say yes but with some support or you know, this is why it's worrying me about why I can't choose it. So just to be able to explain, I think often being able to explain the worries, one, for the person reduces the worry, but it also just not helps it to make sense, but helps for the other person to understand what's going on and maybe why it feels so overwhelming. Yeah. And I think, you know, everyone with an eating disorder is different, just like we're all, you know, different people, that there is no... Mm-hmm one set of worries so as you said for you it sounds like in that moment choosing a pudding was utterly overwhelming and perhaps again in that moment it may have been easier if someone had chosen it for you perhaps um I'm not sure maybe I'm wrong with that but you know for other people (laughs) um you you know I, I think it's about you know really really as you said asking them where they're at um and then and then helping them with what they need in that moment and I would also, you know, challenge the idea that everyone's jolly around Christmas time. You know, I think there can be so much pressure to be happy and to be jolly. And, you know, lo- lots of people, you know, without eating disorders also really struggle at Christmas. It can be a very difficult mm. time. You know, people can be very lonely. People who have suffered loss. Um, so I think it's, yeah. you know, it, it's important for us all to remember that. And I think, you know, sometimes the person you know the supporter actually by saying that you know there is no pressure to be happy all the time um can actually really sometimes by you know relieve it um that actually it is another day you know problems don't generally just go away for Christmas and I think you know sometimes again you know I'm a big fan of role modeling as well so I think often when I do you know my friends and family group understandably you know often parents or loved ones are really really treading on eggshells because they don't want to upset the person or ever say that they're upset about anything at all and you know often depending on the situation I will say it's okay to say that you know I'm I'm upset about this or I'm anxious about this 
purpose because it's a really, really good way of role modeling how to deal with emotions in a healthy way. So I think, you know, if the person is able to say, you know, I also struggle at Christmas or I find this difficult, it's kind of not having that, you know, we all need to be really, really jolly. And if you're not, you're spoiling it and there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think it's about, again, not being black and white. It's unlikely that anyone is going to have a Christmas that is totally happy from start to finish um, or totally sad from start to finish. So it's about kind of realising that even if you're having a bad day or a bad bit of the day, you know, let's not get into that. It's totally spoiled Christmas in the same way that one slip up with eating disorder recovery doesn't mean you're back at square one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's really important is I think social media and everything like that has just given off this idea that, you know, Christmas is perfect and, and everyone's happy because we all just post our highlight reels. And I know I'm I'm guilty of that, but mm. it's not always happy. But I really like that thing that you said about role modeling. Like, you know, if, if somebody else is you know, find isn't it difficult to talk about that? Um, and also something really useful that I've found, and and this can put a bit of pressure on the other person, but you know, it doesn't have to be all the time. Um, like for example, yesterday, I really struggled with dinner, and I was kind of feeling really upset about that, and I didn't know what to do because I couldn't kind of pick myself up out of that hole. Um, so my partner was just like, "Let's put the tree up." So we put mm-hmm. the tree up, we had a bit of a dance to some songs and it distracted me from kind of sitting in that hole um, and I felt a bit happier. And then afterwards I was like, actually, I'm all right. I'm going to go mm-hmm. and get a snack. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, that can be a challenge if both of you aren't feeling too good and it shouldn't be the other person's responsibility to pick you up out the hole. But I think often kind of rather than, you know, sometimes communication is really good, but other times maybe, you know, going and doing and playing a game or kind of watching a Christmas movie or something like that can also be a good thing to do. Definitely. And I sometimes feel like distraction gets the bad press. And I think that actually, mm-hmm. you know, what you were describing with the Christmas tree doesn't just sound like distraction. It sounds like a really meaningful, lovely activity. Um, so I think yeah. it's about, you know, you don't need to be with your emotions all the time. There's, there's definitely a time and a place. But actually, there can be a time and a place to leave the emotions and deal with other meaningful activities. Um, So I think, yeah, that that can be really, really important. And often, you know, that can also teach you that feelings can pass, can't they? That they may be, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they may still be there, but they can be less intense. And I think that, you know, all of this is about, you know, wherever you are in your recovery or your eating disorder, thinking about what works for you. Um, and, you know, it it may be that, you know, the person next to you or someone else with an eating disorder won't find that helpful. And that's OK. And, you know, I, I really like people to come out with their own personal toolkit and to along the way, you know, try out different things, you know, try out, you know, breathing. Some people think it's fantastic. Other people, it just doesn't do it. And that's OK. It's literally about finding what works for you and using it as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a good time to test different things as well, because there might be new techniques that you want to try. And if there's going to be some anxiety provoking moments, then give them a try. Um, And then just to kind of finish up in terms of what I said on the other side of things in that as a family member, you might be a bit anxious about Christmas because of the eating disorder and it getting in the way and, and what have you. What advice would you give to people in that respect? So in terms of the family members who are worried about their loved one with an eating disorder. Yeah, because it does get in the way. Let's let's be honest. So I think first of all, to accept that, you know, to accept where your loved one is at can be really, really important. And I think in that same way, you know, I think it's all about having realistic expectations. So thinking about you know, like we were saying before, for the loved one, think for the person with the eating disorder, thinking about where they're at. I think, again, for the family member to think about where their loved one is at. Um, and, it, and it can bring up a lot of feelings that, as you said, that thinking about, you know, here we are and it's Christmas. And I think actually this year, I'm also thinking that I wonder if there's an extra pressure after COVID as well, that we're kind of 
all mm. back together. And even last year was a bit weird, wasn't it? Um, but actually, this is the first year that it's feeling much more normal. And I wonder if that is bringing an extra pressure. And I think it's, you know, thinking about where your loved one is at, and perhaps it's not going to be the kind of the Christmas that you necessarily imagined. Um, but mm. and actually finding a space to process that can be really, really important. And it can, you know, it can be sad. And I think it's about, you know, in families, there can be, you know, someone with an eating disorder and then other siblings or other family members who don't have eating. And it can feel very, very sad to think, you know, we can't do this as a family or it's going to be altered. Mm. And I would really encourage, you know, family members who are having you know, feelings like that and feelings of sadness and perhaps frustration and perhaps anger to acknowledge that um, and to find a space, you know, away from the person that they can process it, whether it's with a therapist themselves or whether it's with someone, you know, outside the family. But it's, you know, people do have those feelings and it's really, really, really important to acknowledge them and to acknowledge perhaps, you know, the, the loss and the sadness as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think that loved ones can often feel guilty or kind of ashamed if they're upset about the fact that, you know, the things that they're missing out on because their loved one has an eating disorder. Um, and, you know, it is a very difficult thing to watch somebody go through. And I think to kind of acknowledge that is really important. Um, but also, I think, you know, there's obviously you know you want to be doing stuff at Christmas that people are doing but I also love the the idea of making your own traditions and and mm -hmm. maybe this year they have to be a little bit different so that you can all get involved um but yeah weirdly I know that we have some traditions that kind of stemmed from you know like me not maybe being able to eat certain foods but then we just did stuff together instead and now mm -hmm. we have those traditions as well as the typical like you know eating a mince pie or whatever so it allows you to be creative I think to think about what you can do with your family Christmas. Definitely and I think also you know if you are a family member to, to perhaps thinking about you know we'll do this as a family or with the loved one with an eating disorder but also you know if practically possible to give yourself permission perhaps to do something without your loved one over that mm. period you know if you are someone Absolutely. a family member and food is not an issue for you and actually you really enjoy going to the pub and having a meal but you realize your loved one isn't there you know perhaps you know not obviously not every night but perhaps giving yourself permission over that period that I'm actually going to do something for myself with some friends because that is really 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 important or you know with mm. with the other siblings as well so it's very very much that balance and you know to think about you know self-care because it's really really difficult and as we were saying before you know with the loved one being there for the person with the eating disorder planning you know during the meal you know being on the lookout that can be really really tiring and really exhausting um, you know, really necessary. But for that family member over Christmas to think about how am I as the supporter going to pace myself through this? You know, where mm. is my time out going to be? Um, and it may be that, um, you know, it may be that you decide to see, you know, a friend and you make a rule that that meal you're not going to discuss the person with the eating Or actually you go out for a meal and you can confide in someone. Again, whatever works mm -hmm. for you. And I think if you're, you know, if you're lucky enough to have other family members in the house, you know, supporting the person with the eating disorder, where possible to really, really split it. Because otherwise, it, again, as I said, mm -hmm. it can be really, really exhausting if you're, you know, supporting them all the time. So if possible to try and divide it so you're not doing all the supporting. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing that we've said um, in terms of like family and friends is making sure that you do something for yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I see so many people and I think it's so easy to get trapped into, I can't possibly leave them alone because if I do that, then, you know, I feel guilty or I should just have my focus on them all the time because they're struggling. But I think when you do that, you put the eating disorder at the forefront or in the center. And, you know, I think that's what you said about like doing things with the other siblings or whatever 
whether the person can get in get involved or not or you know whether you do just go and do something by yourself like absolutely brilliant i think taking the eating sort of out of the center of attention is incredibly important and just bringing it back to you know whether it's family or whether it's friends and having that time um and you know like you said i think being able to have those conversations where you can confide in somebody but equally just chatting about absolute rubbish mm-hmm. like i rang my friend last night and she was like oh how's everything going and i was like don't want to talk about it just tell me about everything in your life that's mm-hmm. going on because i'm sick of talking about it and it was so nice to have that hour of just like random girly chat um mm-hmm which I think is so important for people to do is to just kind of have a break from the conversation and just take the eating disorder out of the forefront. Yep. And I mean, it's it's a cliche, but it's the old, you know, you've got to put your oxygen mask on yourself first um, before your child. Mm. And it's that, you know, it can be, whether it's at Christmas or all year round, it can be absolutely exhausting and draining and difficult supporting someone with an eating disorder. And as we know, it can be a very long road with your ups and your downs. And it's just so important as a supporter to look after yourself. And that, you know, that's the reason, one of the reasons why we run a group, because we know how difficult for family and friends, we know how difficult it is and how lonely it can be as well. And it can be, you know, going back to Christmas, it can be very lonely when you think of, you know, everyone else who, you know, or it can seem like everyone else is spending time with their daughters who can eat normally. And I think it's really important to have that space where you can be yourself and you can be angry and you can be upset. And that is so normal and so healthy to acknowledge it and to um, to manage it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. I think we have touched so much about Christmas. That was absolutely brilliant. Whereabouts can people find out more information about Ori? Because I know you guys put so much online that is so helpful for people in recovery. And if, you know, people are interested in maybe taking the step of getting treatment with you, where can they find out more? So we've got a great website um, for Ori, so people can go to the website. Um, we've also got a number which is on the website that people can call. Um, and, you know, on the, I think it's the third, 2nd of January, you know, Ori will be reopening its doors after Christmas. And please feel free to get in touch. As I said, we've got in-person treatment. And, you know, the beauty of the online service is you don't need to be living in London. We can have international people who can get really, really, really good support. So I'd definitely recommend checking it out. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Um, And I hope you enjoy walking up and down the streets with all the Christmas trees and the lights and all the pretty shiny things. Thank you. And I hope you have a good and peaceful Christmas. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.